This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins, Sr. Today's message is entitled, COVID-19, The Role of the Church. The way we live our lives should cause others to see God's glory, especially during these challenging times. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Thank you for being with us tonight. I'm grateful for everybody tuning in on our normal Tuesday night um, Bible study. Uh, Even in the midst of these challenging moments and times, uh, thank you. Thank all of you for uh, just being faithful. I'm so grateful for the faithfulness of our members and our friends who join us uh, every uh, Sunday or Tuesday. Just the numbers have been astonishing. We had huge numbers Sunday, so proud of that. And our Tuesdays remain strong and vibrant, and I want to thank you all for just staying tuned in. And um, I got something special tonight that I'm very, very excited about, but before we get started, uh, let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you for your loving kindness to us. I thank you for your mercy that you extend to us even in the midst of challenging times. I pray that you would lead and direct our discussion this evening I pray, God, that uh, that which you want us to learn, our hearts would be open and receptive to, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, Listen, I wanted to do something special tonight, and so I've invited two dear friends of mine that uh, are really just special men uh, that I think have a lot to offer to us as a church and to our community and to all that we're connected with. Let me introduce them to you. First is uh, Ed Stetzer, who uh, is an author, speaker, researcher, pastor, church planter, a Christian missiologist. Uh, He is the Distinguished Chair of Church Mission and Evangelism at Wheaton College and the Executive Director of the Billy Graham Center that's also at Wheaton College. He's a teaching pastor at Moody Church in Chicago, and he also teaching pastor at the High Point Church Uh, also in Chicago. This man is a busy man. He is also my primary instructor uh, for the master's program that I'm in that is uh, at Wheaton College. And I'm honored to have him uh, come and be with us this evening. And uh, Dr. Stetzer, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. And appreciate so much you, John, uh, and the ministry that you lead at Glen Arden, but just thank you for your leadership and appreciate so much getting to know you and your first lady better and better. We got a great class together and pass and get to spend more time with each other. has been great. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to have you. This man is in high demand and he writes for Christianity Today and some other papers too, right? Magazines. Who else do you write for? Uh, um, yeah, Christianity Today and Outreach Magazine I read some for, CNN, uh, CNN and USA Today last week, those kinds of things. Yeah, he's, uh, he's well-quoted, well-knowledged, and uh, I'm honored to have him. I'm also honored to have another dear friend who's also a classmate of mine. Matter of fact, I got really close uh, to him in this class. He is the pastor of the Salem Baptist Church of Chicago. He's not only the pastor, he's the founding pastor of the Salem Baptist Church in Chicago. Uh, he's been pastoring for over 40 years. He's an incredible, insightful person. Uh, I just highly respect his insights, his creativity, his commit, commitment to the community, so many things he does and has done uh, that are incredible. Uh, his church actually has the largest building in the country that was actually built to be a church uh, in Chicago, seats 10,000 people. And uh, he's doing an incredible job 
uh, there in Chicago. His name is Pastor James T. Meeks, and I want to welcome him and thank God for him being with us. Thank you for joining me today, Pastor Meeks. Well, thank you so much, John, for having me. And it also means that during this season, we have the most empty seats anywhere in Chicago. <laughs> but we thank God so much. I thank God for you and the great people uh, at First Baptist Glen Arden. As a matter of fact, I think that this virus is a conspiracy because I couldn't wait to get back to First Baptist. And now all of a sudden, uh, all the virus has broken out. And now we can't have church anymore. But I can't wait to get back there, and I love all of you guys, and I pray that you're taking care of your pastor and first lady, especially during this virus. Well, they're doing a great job. Our people are tremendous. I'm very proud of them. And uh, Pastor Meese did preach for us back, I think, in October of uh, yep. last year, and we plan to have him back. And we're planning to have, uh, if we have our Beyond Conference in June, it, Dr. Stetzer is going to come and uh, share and we're hoping that we're going to be able to do that because i'm looking forward to having him i wanted to spend some time today uh, and talk about this pandemic and uh, the role of the church and what it is the church ought to be doing uh, so many uh questions are asked and concerns and so much uh, stress and anxiety that i thought uh, it would be good to bring these guys on for several reasons but uh, let me uh, begin with talking with Dr. Stetzer and asking him uh, about this pandemic and should this uh, cause out the role of the church to shift in any way? And just your thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, shift in the sense that I think it should move us to a more New Testament approach, a shift in that we can look to two millennia, 2,000 years of church history and say, what should we be doing? That's one of the things that I was passionate about, and one of the reasons I um, I wrote um, the um, uh, this an article actually in in USA Today about that. I wanted to sort of kind of explain a little bit about what I was thinking, and here's actually the the article. People could take a look, and I said this really could remove the mask. You know, may this crisis reveal us as Christians. And the key for me was, you know, kind of scroll down the article. Is let me turn off this little video that starts to play, and we all have these videos popping up now. But one of the things I said at the end was, who are we really? And I think that's the moment that the answer in part is found in the description of Christians as citizens of heaven, Philippians 3.20. I love quoting the Bible and sharing the gospel in major secular publications. But here's what I had to say most importantly. While everyone's good at talking in times of peace, moments of crisis define who we truly are and who we really, what we truly believe. They reveal. And I gave the example of Eusebius, who's a famous church historian, who talked about the church in the fourth century and how they stood up, how they stood out, how they stood in the gap. And the Christians tended to the sick and the dying. And this was in a plague of much more uh, mortality than what we are dealing with now. I'm not saying what we're now isn't serious. It's the most serious moment probably in our global lifetime. But the Christians engaged and they cared for the poor and they cared for the sick. And if you look at the end of this paragraph, here's what I'm hoping this will reveal. As a result, Eusebius concludes, the Christians' deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. So my hope is that what happens is God's people will show and share the love of Jesus in such a way that after this pandemic has passed, and it will pass, they all have passed in the past. After this is done, people will look to Christians and say, there's something different about them, and ultimately they'll glorify the God of the Christians. Can you, Ed, talk a little bit, Dr. Stetzer, about 
you know, of course, in our lifetime, this is the first time that we have encountered something in our lifetime, but it's certainly not the first time that there's been a pandemic in the United States of America. Um, and I think I've heard you talk a little bit about the pandemic of uh, 1917, 18, the Spanish flu. Um, do you have any yeah. insights yeah. on how the church responded at that time, uh, back in 1917 and 18? Yeah, I do think we can for sure look to within the last hundred years, the Spanish flu epidemic was um, probably worse with its mortality rate than what we're seeing here. And really for 2,000 years, you know, we've lived a long time where epidemics weren't the norm, but in many parts of the world, there are still epidemics on a regular basis. We hear about um, Ebola in parts of Africa. We hear about outbreaks in parts of Brazil. Um, so we live in a very unique time in history. And in our experience, we haven't had that. But Christians are, they're accustomed almost historically to dealing with plague. And we go back to the plague of Cyprian where Cyprian was a bishop in, uh, well, in, Cyp in, in Cyprian. Cyprian and, and there's this, um, um, this plague that comes through, and he actually kind of describes the plague, which is why it's named after him. And in doing so, he becomes a key Christian leader and helping people work through the plague of Cyprian. He actually gathers the people together and says, um, we're going to serve people and show and share the love of Jesus in the midst of this very difficult time in Carthage. And in doing so, the Christians serve others. Matter of fact, it was so common that there was an emperor named Julian the Apostate. His mother didn't call him that, but he was named that later by historians, where he was trying to stop the advance of Christians. And he was so upset, the Christians, the sick in the midst of plagues, that he actually called them these impious Galileans they take care not only of their own sick and dead, but ours also. So there's a very long history of Christians standing up, standing out, and standing in the gap in the midst of plagues. In this case, it's an opportunity to do so as well, you know, following the right protocols, maintaining social distancing, making sure we're not adding to the problem. But this is our moment. People have questions about who God is. We need to share the good news of the gospel. People are suffering. We need to be there with, right now, healthcare workers or maybe grieving family members and more. This is our moment. This is our call. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Meeks, you and I were chatting one day, and uh, while we were d dialoguing, uh, you asked me the question if I thought this was, that this pandemic was a judgment from God. And I thought your, your answer was very interesting. And I don't know if you remember what you told me, but can you take a swing at that question for a moment? Yeah, sure. You know, God has, uh, God is too big. This thing is too big for God not to be somewhere in it. Not necessarily to judge the world. God loves us a whole lot. And this is not necessarily a judgment of God, but this is an opportunity, like Ed just said, for the people of God to show forth God. We're such compassionate people we're supposed to be. And the easy thing to ask ourselves is, what would Jesus do in this crisis? And I just try to respond how he would respond. If he would help people, I try to help people. If he would love people, I try to love people. But I do not think that God is cursing the world, but I do think that this is too big for God to not be in it. So yeah. God is definitely in it, and this should be the church's finest hour. Yeah, God, let me add too, if I could, because um, I agree wholeheartedly with everything James said. Let me add that I think it's worth noting 
that though this is not a direct curse on the world, if you will, as James put it, this is a result of the fall and the curse that comes from that is that we live in a world that's broken where things like this happen and there's, there's hurt and pain and sin. And that is because men and women, uh, our, 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 our forefathers and foremothers, uh, sinned against God. And in doing so, we live in a world that now deals with brokenness, where viruses spring up. But I hope that it causes people to call out to God because they recognize they're still praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because it's not yet being done on earth as it is in heaven, or we wouldn't have this crisis and pandemic right now. And in paradise, John, the world was perfect. When Adam and Eve were first made, that was a perfect world. When Adam and Eve committed sin and failed, God cursed the ground. The ground was cursed. That means tornadoes sprung up. That means thunderstorms sprung up. And unfortunately, that means disease and pestilence happened too. That's why the whole creation, Paul says, is waiting in anticipation. Creation wants to be redeemed too. But until that day, these things are going to happen. And we have to reach out for a merciful God to see us through. So uh, let me follow up with another question because one of the things that I have found concerning is the large, the many, many churches around, uh, I don't know how many they are, but certainly enough to be concerned of churches that are uh, somewhat ignoring the, um, the distancing um, guidelines that the government has sought to give. And uh, certainly our churches, um, abiding by that, but some churches aren't. And let me get your thoughts on that, uh, Dr. Stetzer. Yeah, I think, you know, we just came up on Easter and, um, you know, having just passed Easter, one of the things that we love about Easter is we make much of Jesus. And I think while your church and my church was making much of Jesus, there were some pastors who were making a spectacle of themselves. And I think ultimately that doesn't happen uh, by accident. I think people have made choices to do that. And I think it's, real, it's, it's particularly unhelpful. Um, here's the deal. There's not people like, well, is this a religious liberty issue? Not yet. If, if, if six months from now they're opening up the theaters and people are going back to shows and they say, but churches got to stay closed, I'm going to be on the front line saying this is a violation of religious liberty. Right now, we're not meeting because we don't love the Lord. We're meeting told us to labor. And so we're loving our neighbors by not participating in something that could and would actually lead to a greater sense of community spread. So I care about the older people in my neighborhood, one of the reasons we're not gathering. So I would say, you know, listen to your county health department, listen to your state health department. You know, it's mostly a county and state thing. And follow those guidelines. You know, you know, the church is empty, and that was sad, but the tomb's empty, and we gathered together, and we were glad. And so I think we gathered together with electrons and avatars, not perfect, but it's what we need right now in the midst of this pandemic. Yeah, I actually feel like churches have been challenged to be creative and think of ways to reach people in a non-traditional way. And I want to salute so many churches across the country are still finding the opportunity and the ability to minister um, to in a way that um, is beyond in, in a physical building. But I'm troubled, I am definitely troubled by churches that are disregarding the, the mandate for uh, social distancing. Uh, it's, it's not wise. I, I recently read about a pastor in Richmond who bragged and showed pictures of how many of his people came yeah. to church and and the tragedy is he got sick from the 
from the uh, virus and he died. And my heart is heavy, yeah. bleeds, because it was not necessary if we just respected that. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not, I'm not a doctor. If a doctor comes and tells me this is what I need to do, I'm going to do that. And, and I want to encourage yeah. other church leaders and pastors around the country to be respectful for what we're being told. Yeah. Uh, so Agreed. I'm troubled by that. And we're telling, I'm saying to my members and the people, yes, uh, we, our county executive just passed a requirement that if you go into a, a store of any sort, especially a grocery store, um, you got to have a mask on. So we should take and be respectful of what uh, the information that they are dis distributing to us and telling us we should be respectful of that. So we hope that we will be able to do that. Thank you for doing that. Uh, and do you think the church is going to be positioned for revival because of this, uh, Pastor Meeks? Yeah, I think that once we can go back and people coming back to church uh, who have never been in church before, people are fearful, people are frightened, people are trying to figure out what God is up to. And when this is over, people will be coming to church looking for an answer. The other thing is that God is keeping so many people. There are a lot of people with the virus, but there are a lot of people who didn't contract it. There are a lot of people dying. There are a lot of people who didn't die. And so people are gonna look at the fact that something kept them during this virus. What was it? And that answer is going to be God. I also share with the members of Salem, this is the perfect opportunity for you to witness to your unsaved relatives. Don't call them up and start out by saying, do you know Jesus? Call them out by saying, call them up and say, do you have a loaf of bread? Is everything okay? I'm just checking on you. I'll be calling you tomorrow. And we have 30 days to strike up a relationship with people in our own families that we don't normally talk to. And eventually that conversation can lead, well, to the reason I have peace is because I'm depending on God and I'm relying on God. And can I show you how to rely on God? But you have a chance to talk to all of your unsaved relatives about the Lord. Excellent, that's very insightful. And I d definitely appreciate that encouragement. And, and what are some ways, let me ask you both this question, that believers, people who are Christians, what can they be doing now to maintain their relationship with God, their walk with God? How can they strengthen it? Not just maintain it, how can they take it to another level? What would be some suggestions that you all would give to Christians of how they can develop their walk with Christ? This is a moment for creativity, but also for engagement. Social distancing doesn't mean relational distancing. So one of the things I've done, I encourage people to do, is I visited, again, all my neighbors. I took notes, and uh, with a little, I, I go up to their door, I ring their doorbell, I got a little Lysol, you know, one of those Lysol cleansing pads, I ring the doorbell, step back, knock on the door, step back, and then in doing so, I ask them, um, hey, are you got any needs we can pray for? Any, how can we help? And, and there are some needs we were able to help with. You know, our next door neighbors, they don't have internet. I don't I know many people who don't have internet. Almost everyone has some form of internet, maybe on their phone, but they didn't have that. And so we're engaging them. So I think immediately people can engage their neighbors. Uh, the, I actually talk about three concentric circles. One is the people in your church. Both John, James, and I, we all have older people in our churches. Um, they're particularly vulnerable. We're actually seeing in the African-American community even higher rates of transmission, infection, and death. And so how do we care for one another? How do we call in the older people in our congregation? There are people in your church and mine who had some pre-existing condition, maybe had a lung issue uh, and maybe five years ago, but now they're, they can't be out, and, but they can be on the phone 
right? And you know, the kids, they just use these to text, but they actually work for phone calls. And so we could create prayer chains. So three concentric circles, the people in your community, the one another's of scripture. Second, the people in your immediate neighborhoods, and everyone's got some neighborhood, whether in the high rise, whether in apartments, whether they're in a standalone home, whether whatever they're in. Um, and then the third circle is what about your community? You know, uh, I delivered some food to uh, some of our homeless community uh, this past week because, you know, they can't go through drive throughs You know, they, they can't, you know, a lot of that's been shut down. And sometimes, you know, Pastor James is part of a group here in Chicago, Chicago delivers. There's, you know, if people are on EBT, you know, what, what I was on as a kid was called food stamps, but the equivalent today are those little cards. You can't use them for online ordering. I don't know about you, but I'm online ordering right now. My guess is you guys are too. But, you know, if you're on public assistance, you can't. So people are trying to find ways to bring this together. So think in terms of three circles. How do we take care of the one another's, the people in our church, particularly the older people with pre-existing conditions, then move into our immediate neighborhood, then how do we take care of the poorest of the poor and the marginalized in our city? And I think churches are doing all of those. And John, I think that what Christians can be doing, and again, I say this to the members of Salem, you better prepay your barber and send your barber uh, a cash app and say, I know that you don't have clients coming in now, or your beautician, or your nail tech, all the people that you do goods and services with, all of those people who are not getting paid, if you're able, just prepay them now for your next two or three haircuts. Keep a record of it. They will appreciate so, and tell them, at my church, we decided to take care of all the barbers, the beauticians, the nail techs, and they will start wondering, what kind of church is that? That's reminding people to barbers are not being paid, nail techs are not being paid, and to look out for them. Everything that we can do to point people back to God is, is what we have to do. And those people will appreciate you for taking care of them during this crisis. I'm grateful that you all have taken the time today to come and uh, just shoot, shoot, answer these questions with me. And uh, this will this will have benefits long beyond uh, this discussion. So thank you all so very, very much. Um, I'll come back next Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come anytime you ask me, John. I, I'll, I'll come down there in June. If we're going to have that meeting in June, I'm going to come down there in June. Yes, yes. I'm we good. all love John Jenkins. <laughs> I love you guys. So thank you all so much. And um, I'm going to uh, just... Thank y'all for what you've done. Thank and y'all uh, have a great day. I appreciate you being with me. God bless you guys. God Thank bless you. I hope that everybody here has friends and relationships that you are interacting and communicating. And yes, yes, uh, Dr. Stetzer is my instructor, but I also consider him a friend. And uh, James Pastor Meeks is a classmate, a pastor, but he's a friend. And I think at this time, even though we are distanced socially, we don't have to be distant relationally. I think uh, Dr. Stesser said that. And I, I think it's important that you check up on some people that you care about and love. And even there might be some people who are um, especially unsaved. This is the whole thing that I want us to do. Check on each other. I want to challenge our leaders and our members to check on people uh, that you have relationship with, that are in your ministries, that are part of your choir or your ushers or your discipleship group or your class, check on them. Make sure they're okay. Just drop them an email, a text message, or give them a phone call. Uh, and then there's so many people who 
you know, what I'm learning is there's a lot of people who don't have relationships and, and other than their work relationships, they don't have any, any friends or anybody that cares about them. And what a wonderful thing it would be if you would take the time to check on some of those people and reach out to them. And I'm encouraging us to elevate our prayer life. Uh, I, you know, my, my, uh, when I walk every day, I walk every day. And so when I go out and walk, uh, this shutdown time gives me an opportunity, uh, even though I'm still busy, it gives me an opportunity to spend a little more time in my walk. And that walk is my prayer time. That's my worship time. That's my time to reflect and to really think through uh, the things that God wants me to do. And uh, it's, it's enhanced my opportunity to commune with God. And I'm telling you today, shut that TV off. Turn, turn that, get rid of that book that's not leading you in the path of spirituality and start getting in a place where you can develop your walk with Christ. That's what I wanna encourage you to do. So thank you all again for just being faithful. And if you're not uh, saved, if you've not accepted Jesus, or if you don't have a church home, or if you're backslidden, we got an email right there that you can reach out to or a phone number. I, don't, I think we're gonna have a phone number today. If not, email us, we'll get back with you. We will, we will help you walk that path and get to where God wants you to be. I'm honored that you even took the time to, 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 to come into this uh, online class. And I pray that God will give you insights and, and encouragement so that you can be everything that the Lord is calling you to be. Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for the information we've shared. And I just pray that by the power of your might that you would encourage every person to be everything you called them to be. I'm praying for unsaved people, lonely people. I'm praying for people who are isolated and away from others. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would let us be your hands and feet and your mouthpiece to reach out to those, God, who are lonely and frustrated and discouraged and are full of anxiety. And let us give us a word a word of knowledge, give us a word, give us the tongue of the learned to be able to say to them uh, a word that will give them hope and answers and direction. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Even though we are distanced socially, we don't have to be distant relationally. Remember to check on your friends and loved ones and continue to uplift them during this time. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click on the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.